Ayers on the Road, value-based parenting and life balance ideas from world-traveling family coaches. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. Good morning and welcome or evening or whenever you happen to listen to this. Maybe you're listening on a podcast. It's the middle of the night for all we know, but welcome in any case to Ayers on the Road. Richard Ayer and... Linda Iyer, and we are on the road. We are in New York City this morning. It happens to be the day before, two days before Easter. Well, it's, it's the Friday. Easter weekend. It's good Friday. There's nothing like New York for Easter weekend, I'll tell you. All the flowers are out. All of the... Uh, Cherry blossoms in Blossoms are out. It's just the best month of the year here, and it, by the way, it's the worst month of the year in Park City, so we're glad we're gone. Except that the sun finally came out after months and months of snow, snow, and more snow, and rain, and cloudy, and then it got good, and Yeah, we, we left. left on the first good day we'd had, but uh, we're in we're New York. We're not complaining. We're, we're in New York because we came here to do special research on parenting for hours on the road. <laughs> <laughs> We're, we're actually here in our son Eli and his wife Julie's apartment, and they are in San Diego, and we are all on our way to the Dominican Republic for a, well, what would you call it, Linda? Celebration. A celebration of 50 years of marriage, where our kids were are flying in from everywhere, from Zurich, from London, from Hawaii, from New York City, from actually Vietnam at this point. Um, to join us there next week, which is going to be really fun. Now, I know some of you have met Linda, and you, you're thinking to yourself, wait a second, 50 years? What, what was Linda, about about 11 or oh, 12 yeah, right, when you right, got right. married? They're all confused, Linda. Well, and I know that some of you um, have met Richard, and you're going, you're not just going to play the whole time. You are going to talk to that family about the past, the present oh, you and mean the, at the future reunion. at the yeah, reunion. Yeah, we, we've got an agenda. We've got a little program. <laughs> <laughs> at the reunion, the kids don't want an agenda, but this one, we are in control. So um, it's going to be so fun. Don't though, change the subject, great. though. And we went to a movie the other night, and the, the person that sold me the ticket said, it's so nice you can go to a movie with your daughter. Oh, he, oh he my did. goodness! That Nobody said that. Bothered me. That bothered me so bad. I do love it once in a while when somebody asks me for my ID when I say that I'm a senior. But anyway, going <laughs> on. Um, we are thrilled to be in New York. We love New York, and I know not everybody does, but the hustle bustle, especially over Easter weekend, is just fantastic. Now I should mention the topic for today's show. We're just going to leave it hanging for a minute and not tell you what it means. But the name of the show today is don't just do something sit there and you may say wait I think you mixed that up but no I turned that around on purpose and we're going to tell you why a little later in the show but Linda since you brought up New York I I was just going to let them I think, brought up New York well, didn't you I thought you did <laughs> <laughs> but we do have quite a history here and we should maybe mention it just because almost everyone has some connection to New York City it just seems that way, you know? If you think about it long enough, there's it's enough of a crossroads that almost everyone traces some memory or some Even if it's family ancestors. member or ancestors yeah. going through Ellis Island or whatever. Our personal connection with the city started um, when I got my mission call for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and when I opened that envelope and it said New York City, I'm like, wait a second. 
I thought I'd go to some exotic foreign land. <laughs> well, little did I know. I was it, a little guy in Logan, Utah. I, I got little, little did you know it is an exotic <laughs> foreign land. <laughs> but um, those were the days, again, just to prove how old we are. We we left on a train, and we um, and the train, of course, goes took three days, two days, and the train, of course, goes underground long before it gets. Well, it's still in New Jersey, and so. Here's this little guy, 19 years old from Logan, Utah, walking up out of Grand Central Station into the land of skyscrapers. And I remember thinking, I'm not in Kansas anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and it was the start of a wonderful experience for me. We had the New York World's Fair where I, where I was a guide, and, and uh, it was a marvelous experience, not only spiritually, but uh, culturally, and in every other way. It was here that I decided, you're not gonna believe this, some of you, but my, my major was pre-dentistry before I left on my mission, and I was flunking chemistry and physics, and I don't know what was in my mind, but I, I, I finally woke up during the, the mission that that wasn't my thing and it changed the course of my life and I decided while I was still here that I had to go to Harvard Business School for various reasons and it was an interesting time and we lived on Fifth Avenue. The mission home some of you may know was on 973 Fifth Avenue, Fifth Avenue and 79th Street, one of the most amazing elegant parts Prestigious. of the city. Yeah. And uh, what a time we had. And uh, the church met in a little Jewish, uh, formerly a Jewish synagogue that the church had purchased on West 81st Street. Ironically, just across the street from where we are right now in Eli's apartment. And isn't that incredible? I mean, we just couldn't believe it when they moved in here. That wait a minute, that is exactly where that church was that you, he attended as a missionary. And you got to cut me off and I'll go on too long, but what, one of the things that I remember about that that church uh, is that it had a little alcove, a beautiful choir alcove that magnified the sound, and we didn't have a particularly good choir, but we were lucky enough or fortunate enough or blessed enough, probably is the right word, to work with a lot of Juilliard students. I remember there was a there was a flautist. She called herself a flautist. I would have said a flutist, which is anyway, proper. Like I don't know. But anyway, <laughs> she, she was great. She joined the church. Her name was Fran Waite. It's funny how memories are funny. I can remember more about people's names and other things from New York when I'm in New York. When I'm not here, I, my memory doesn't work as well on some of those things. But anyway, she introduced us to a a pianist, I remember her name, Yoshi Akimoto, and she introduced us to a conductor, Doug Isaacson, and he introduced us to, it went on and on, and we ended up, there There ended up being seven or eight converts to the LDS Church, to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, who were students at Juilliard, and so every Sunday morning, instead of a choir, we would walk in and chamber music would be playing gorgeous Baroque chamber music. Well, I'd like to have heard that. Wow. It changed my taste in music, among other things. Um, those were the days. But it's even more exciting now. Well, maybe not for you. Boy, can't I just say a, a little people. about the World's Fair? Well, I mean, it was, it was amazing, too, because we would guide on a good day. 
one missionary would guide maybe as many as a thousand people through the pavilion. People coming to us, listening to the gospel message. It was really quite remarkable. It was an amazing time, and it's just kind of resurrected recently for several reasons. People show up and, and say they're doing a documentary on it or something. It really was a moment in time in New York City for and the we, church. And Linda and I go, we try to go every year to the U.S. Open Tennis Tournament, which is right there on the same side in Flushing Meadows and Queens. And when we're on the top of the tennis stadium, we look out at the Unisphere, which is still there from the World's Fair, that, that big globe. Right. So anyway, that was okay. the beginning. But Linda, carry on. Why, why have we stayed so close to New well, York? Well, we have had years? children who live in New York now for how long? 15 oh, years? at least maybe 15, 15. or 20 years. Uh, well, even longer if you count. Sadie went to Columbia. Right. So we just have been in and out of New York a lot. We've had three different couples that have lived here, and now this is the last one for now. But... They love New York so much, even though the sun works all over the world, I think they might stay here because they're kind of tied to it. It is such a wonderful place. Well, some of you know Talmadge and Noah and Eli, our sons, all three have lived in New York for an extended period, and so they keep us coming back. And um, we have now a granddaughter who may go to Columbia University, okay, and we'll so have another connection to New York. Enough. We could go on forever. Enough, enough, enough. I think you got the picture. And now we're going to talk about, let's see, we're going to connect that to what we're talking about. You go ahead. Well, it's funny. When I said, uh, you know, let's talk a little about New York first, you said, Linda, well, that doesn't have, I mean, that's the wrong thing. The topic is don't just do something, sit there, which is a flip of an old cliche. And you said, no, that won't work in New York because in New York, everyone is, it's, it's don't just sit there, do something. Everyone's do something. doing something. Yeah, there's so many things every single day. I'm just scrolling through on my computer. There's just there's a hundred different things we can do for free in New York City. So, um, but that this came from a book that Richard did years ago about turning cliches around, turning old cliches into new maxims. New maxims, which really is useful when you think about it. So. We're going to talk about those for the next couple of weeks on the show because we think this is a time of year to take a little lighter approach to parenting and to marriage and not be so deadly serious and heavy all the time. And that's the point of some of these little cliches that we've turned around. And by the way, there's about a, there's a couple of dozen of them in, in this little book, but the publisher... Who our publisher at the time was Simon and Schuster, and the one that they chose to go on the cover of the book of all these little flipped around cliches was the one we're talking about today. Don't just do something, sit there. And of course, the point was, you know, we live in a life where we're so frenetic and we're running around doing so many things. And you know, your mom used to say to you, "Don't just sit there, do something." And probably all of us heard that as kids, and action is the thing we value and get out and do something. Well, and I think it especially applies to parents because it is just, you're doing something all the time. I mean, life is coming at you a thousand miles an hour, and you're trying to get this kid here and this kid there and worried about so-and-so and and how do we handle this and so on. And it's just, it's a, a constant motion. When and, you're a parent. And so that was the whole point, is to turn that around and form a backwards maxim instead of a cliche. 
that basically says just the opposite. Don't just do something. Sit there because so many of us are do just do something. Just do something. Just be up and doing. Just that's what your mom used to say always, Linda. Your mom, you know, I think. Do I remember that right? Well, she didn't Linda, allow be us. up and doing. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> she didn't allow us to sit very often. I mean, even when she was teaching piano lessons, my sister and I were churning butter while we were watching cartoons <laughs> in the next room on Saturday mornings. So um, we never just sat there. But it really is important to think about how important, not only just sitting there, but really meditating about who you are, where you are, where you're going, what do you want in life. Right. And then you can make that really productive when you have to do something. So just the exact opposite advice. Instead of running around trying to do something all the time, take some time to sit down. Some of you young mothers may say, yeah, when would that be? But find a way to, to reflect a little, to pause, to, not, to, to think about, do I really need to do what I'm doing? Is there a shortcut? What else can I do? Is, am I, is the urgent getting in the way of the important? Sort of to examine your life a little more, be a little more deliberate, and not just run around doing things all the time. So that's that's our introduction to the subject. And I think after we take a little break here, we're going to really delve into it further. How does how does that apply to parenting? How does it apply to life in general? Um, is what Socrates said pretty important to us today? Namely, the unexamined life is not worth li living. Are we examining ourselves enough? Are we meditating? Are we pausing? Are we using our brains as much as we should? Or are we just running around trying to put out the next fire? Well, we're going to expand on that in the second half. So hang in there and come on back because we're excited to talk about it. We'll be right back on Hires on the Road. Welcome back to Ayers on the Road. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. And we're back. Today we're talking about something that we haven't really addressed before on Ayers on the Road because it's something that we don't think about often enough. Yep, don't just do something, sit there. And we really think that's important advice for parents. Now earlier, Linda, when I said that's what we're doing and we're here in New York City, you said, well, that's not appropriate because... This is a city where everyone's up and doing, doing things all the time. And I said, well, wait a second. It's also probably the most creative place in the world, or at least it's a magnet for creative people of all kinds, right? From artists to inventors yeah. Yeah, to, but they, to dramatists to singers. It's creative. It's creative, but they had to sit down and think about that's, what that's they were my doing. point that's my point it is really quite amazing i mean how can you possibly make a musical with rap out of the story of hamilton i mean <laughs> it's just not possible and uh there are so many interesting things going on um there's a fabulous one about su teen suicide and and bullying and so on oh the evan that is yes it is so what's the name of that compelling uh, Dear Evan Hansen. Dear Evan Hansen. And it it is just remarkable. There are so many fascinating things. There's one called Come From Away about the thousands of people that ended up in Newfoundland that when, during 9-11 and all the goodness that happened during that time. 
And it's the, you know, the ticket that's hard to find because people love hearing about those great things. But wow, that took some real thinking to think about making uh, something wonderful out of a tragedy. Well, that was my tie-in is that all, all I, I believe that all great things that have ever been done have been, been done not by frantic activity and running, although they take a lot of hard work, no question about it, but they, they've been conceived by someone who flipped that cliche around and said, don't just do something, sit there, sit there and think, try to work it out. And, and that applies so much to our parenting and our families. Sometimes we'll have a problem with a child or we'll have an issue in the family and we just go kind of frantic trying to solve it and asking everyone's input and trying different things and never never stopping to really sit and think, now what is really going on here? And, and to pray about it, you know, that could be another way to turn the cliche around. Don't just do something, pray about it. Yeah, but I, I'd pray through meditation. I mean, prayer is a form of meditation. But you're communicating with somebody else. And meditation, you just communicate with yourself. But it really is quite incredible, the, the answers that come to you when you are either communing with God or really thinking deeply about what can I do to make this better? Or what can I do to create something that is amazing? Yeah, it, I think we sometimes, it ties into what we talked about a couple of weeks ago, Linda. Many of you listeners know we're working on a new book right now on family revelation, on the whole idea that God will guide you on the stewardship of your children and your marriage and your home more than on perhaps any other subject. So it really ties into that's where you where you were going, I think, Lynn. It really ties into this subject that if you have a worry, as we all do, if you can first of all isolate what that worry is, define it well in your mind, and then think about it, pray about it. I really, I mean, I just feel like I should make a promise both to us and to all of all of you that uh, these, this meditation and thinking and praying about family issues, about family goals, about family aspirations and togetherness, it yields what you might call ideas, but what is probably better called revelation. It, it, the answers are there. God knows what your child needs. God knows what your family needs. And when we tap into that, it's like, is this the right word? I don't know, honey. It's like, in a way, it's like a shortcut. It's like something occurs to you that is a far better direction to go or a better solution than if you were just trying to work it out on your own. Oh, absolutely. Although, working out on your own involves really thinking inwardly. And I think we don't do enough meditation, so to speak. As people in the East, for example, um, in Asian countries, they're, they're, what they do with meditation is quite incredible. Um, I do have to say that we have, we know a young man who left the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints looking for truth. And and he ended up traveling all over the Far East and getting into meditation and ashrams and in India and so on. I don't know everywhere he went, but um, after 20 years of searching, searching, he came back to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and realized that that was a treasure trove of truth. But he brought gifts when he came back. 
because he learned had learned to think inside himself and realize what who he was and what he really wanted it's, it was really quite a journey but I I think he appreciates what he learned while he was gone more than anything else that he could have learned just because my, his mind was closed when he was here. Well, I so, think you're, what you're saying, is it's really important, Linda, that uh, when you ponder the whole notion of thinking about something and working on something mentally and spiritually rather than just physically, I think there's two kinds of, this is very oversimplified and broad, but there's two basic kinds of thinking that, that may benefit you. One is what you're talking about in meditation or where you're actually trying not to think, you're, you're trying to turn your mind off. You're trying to still your soul and still your mind or as the scriptures say, be still and know and just wipe away all the clutter in your brain and let it just rest and then into that, into that peaceful mind may come, hopefully will come, inspiration and revelation. But the other way of thinking, which is also very productive for a lot of parents, is the the sort of more left brain analytical thinking, where you're saying, oh, let me just think about this issue. Let me just work on it. Let me just try to see what I can do. I'll give you a quick example. We know of a father who was worried because his son was getting bullied at school. And he thought about it, he analyzed it and so on. And he decided what he had to do is go talk to the principal or the teacher at the school and find out all that he could. And um, then when he did that, that led to his idea to go and talk to the father of this other boy. And they worked some things out. So that was all a left brain logical. What's the problem? What can I do about it? Who do I talk to? How can I solve it? But he also was doing the kind of thinking you're talking about and, and he was praying and he was trying to calm his spirit and he got an answer that what he needed to do and he would have never thought of this analytically his answer was you need to spend more time one-on-one -on -one with that boy and you need to build up his confidence this is his own son build up his confidence he's trying to be good at sports and he's not good at sports but he's a very good student and you need to quit pushing him in the sports and start supporting him on his academics. And the point is, we get answers on parenting, sometimes from our own analysis and thinking, and sometimes through inspiration on things we would have never thought. But back to the subject, the, both of those things come about not by running around and trying to be active on everything, but by sitting there and thinking. Oh, it just is amazing what happens. Because as parents, we just try to, how can I fix this? I need to fix this. What can I do? And sometimes we realize when we sit and think about it that we are part of the problem. I mean, you mentioned, yeah, yeah. you know, that boy that was, his father was really pushing him uh, athletically and he just wasn't athletic. I mean, sometimes we want our children to be so much like we were or accomplish something we didn't accomplish. Yeah, be, be better, you know, do the things we didn't do or right, something. Yeah. Right, It really is amazing what happens when you just let your mind go and say, what does this child need? And think about it. Think about it. What are his um, attributes and how can he be his, his best self? And then it changes the whole configuration. It really is so helpful to just think. And sometimes we just can't. It is so hard. I, I, we have to admit we're not great on meditation. I can't. 
I have tried so hard to think about nothing, and it is so <laughs> hard. It's so hard. But but there there is something that comes into your mind when you clear the clutter and just think, this is the problem. What should I do? And of and, course, it also gets you into the difference between your children. We run into so many families with more than one child who they assume that the answer for one child is going to be the same for the next one. And so they're in a pattern, right? This is what works with this child and so yeah. on. And they carry it over to the other child and it doesn't work. The, the other child's very different from the first one. We've often said the scariest time of parenting is when you have that second child and you think you know so much and you find out it's all different. You're starting over. No, absolutely. <laughs> Nothing. And, and so the, that's the other thing that I think you're pointing out, Linda, is that this don't just do something. Sit there. Sit there and think about this second child. How does he differ from the first one? How should your parenting methods for, for him differ from your parenting methods from your earlier one? Well, we always say that we have nine kids, one of every kind. And honestly, that is true. Every single one needs something different from us. And it is such a great exercise to sit and think about that and really contemplate what does this child need, even as adult children. You know, they all need different things, too. I mean, they're dealing with their own children. But um, positive affirmations are good for some, and then let's get up and get going for others really is more helpful to them. But I, I do want to say that I think that this next generation coming up may be more thoughtful than we thought we were. You think so? That's um, interesting. I, I think so. Our, they're our less kids, frantic? Well, our kids are all into yoga. Well, but they've, they've got a different problem, which is they're on their phones all the time, and and that, no, that smartphone that's can true. keep you from... That's not what we're talking about when we say sit there. We're not saying take <laughs> a break sit. from your parenting and sit there and read all your social media. That That's the opposite in a way. That's making every minute filled up with busyness. Instead of when you sit there, when you follow the this admonition, don't just do something, sit there. you got to sit there quietly, hopefully with your eyes with closed. With your own mind. Get rid of the phone, phone. Get rid yeah. of, you know, find a moment. Maybe it's before the kids are awake when you can really go inside yourself or draw down from the spirit because that's where the answers are. They're not in your phone and they're not, you know, in running around to the next thing frantically every day. I think we mentioned this last time that uh, I used to go in the bathroom every morning and close the door and not sit there, but just stand there and look in the mirror and say, I know that I'm walking into a hurricane here. There is no doubt about it, but I am going to be the calm eye of the storm no matter what happens. And about then, there's kids pounding on the door like, I need lunch money, I can't find my shoes, and all that stuff. But it really is good that I at least centered myself for, you know, 20 seconds saying, this is what I want today. And it didn't always work, but it worked more often than if I hadn't done that at all. So I think that I think we've made the point, and we're nearly out of time. But we're going to do this. The, turning these old cliches around and making them work for parenting is kind of fun. I'll give you a couple of other examples. Of one, one of our favorites, I bet your mother used to always say to you, if a thing's worth doing, it's worth doing well. We're going to flip that around a little next week and say there are some things, you know, 
if a thing's just barely worth doing, then just barely do it. There are <laughs> I some, love that one. There are some things you don't have to kill yourself on so that you have more time for the kids. So we'll get into that next week. Um, this is fun to think about. Thanks for tuning in. We always appreciate your listening ear and the great job you're doing with your own kids. And we just wish you a very Hang on, happy... hang on. Hang on, Nolanda, before you say goodbye. I know some of them are saying, well, what Broadway show are you going to today? And just to give you a little tingle, we're going retro today. We're going to go see a revival of My Fair Lady. <laughs> <laughs> so with that, happy Easter weekend. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.